0: Happy Monday and welcome to the Ty Brown Show. So answer me this. When something bad happens, is your first response usually whose fault is this? Well, today's show is about how to get out of the sticky webs of blame. We're going to discuss why blame hurts us and our relationships and what we can do instead of blaming. Alright, guys, it's happening in 3, 2, and 1. <laughs> Podcasting from conciliators, this is the Ty Brown Show. If you're a human and you think you might have to interact with other humans at some point, and you like that to go well, then listen up. Oh, yeah. It's time to get cozy with conflict. Let's go. All right. So, I'm really sorry about the title of this podcast episode. You know it's 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 a little gross and really is not me you know i i and you know i i was going to use maybe a little more uh, subtle terminology um you know maybe say uh someone cut the cheese or something but i was worried that maybe everyone might not actually get that and you think you know who wouldn't get that well that's a good question uh, but i'm inclined to believe it's not universal uh, in fact every tuesday I go and I eat lunch with my dear grandmother, who is um, one of my hall of famers of people that I know, Um, Anyway, and and every week we have kind of the same sort of lunch and we get these fresh rolls and we put tuna fish on them and, and a lot of times we'll put cheese slices on them and I always cut the cheese and I always make a joke about how it's my job to cut the cheese and um, and anyway, it, and she never laughed, and I'm not sure, maybe she, uh, you know, she's probably listening to this. Uh, I think she probably gets it, but she's just, you know, thinking I'm too immature to be making such jokes. Anyway, so that's why we just went with the, the bold title here. Uh, I, I could have used passing gas, but that just seems too descriptive, right? I, it's almost disturbing. I, yeah uh, my family you know we use toot uh, someone tooted that's that's what we do with little kids um, so I'll probably go with that today uh, but the the truth is is it's it's a great it's a great topic it's a great circumstance to highlight the topic of blame one of my all-time favorite movie episodes is from the movie Rocket Man where they go to Mars and there's... Rocketman, Man, I think his name is Randall. I actually don't remember. And then there's the commander, and then there's Julie, and they're the three astronauts on Mars. And uh, and so something happens. Uh, you know, Randall and the commander are out far away from their rover or whatever, or from their camp, and um, and they have to walk back to camp. And the commander's oxygen supply is somehow compromised and not working and um and so they have to like link up and share uh an oxygen supply that's linking their two uh astronaut suits together and uh in true comic gold fashion uh randall starts ripping them and the commander is dying because he's sharing that same air um (laughs) and so as they're talking, and the yeah, the commander is is trying to get Randall to just acknowledge that he is causing him a lot of a lot of trouble here. And Randall keeps saying, you know, it wasn't me. And the commander's like, oh come on, we're like a million miles from the nearest person. And Randall's like, well, I I don't know, maybe it was maybe it was Julie. <laughs> and so he's blaming the other astronaut who's like back at camp. And then finally, after, you know, after walking a long ways, Randall's like, all right, I'll admit it was me. And then he rips up a, ba- a bad one and he goes, now that was Julie. <laughs> and so anyway, it's it's really comedic gold. If you haven't seen that, you, you probably should. OK, so um, why are you know, why are we so prone to blaming? Um, we're going to dive into that today. Uh, oh, before we do though, I've got to share our show stats. So we launched officially a week ago today, and in the last seven days, we got 304 listens, which is uh, which is great. I think that's I think that's amazing actually. That's 304 people who are um, who are trying to um, develop some skills, develop some mindset and improve, uh, improve relationships in their lives. Um, you know, if, if this is your first time listening, really the goal of this whole podcast is to bring dispute resolution to the masses instead of reserving dispute resolution for, like, litigated parties. Um, sorry, litigating parties. So we, we're calling it the Resolution Revolution, and I'm hoping that, uh, that we can solve problems in your life. And if you've got a sticky one, uh, go ahead and share it with us on the show. And uh, you can email it to us. Our email is stories at thetiebrownshow.com. I I got several stories this week. It's some really good ones that I'm planning to use for future episodes. Um, So good work on that. And um, I'm hoping, you know, if you can think of somebody that you're close to, a friend or family member uh, who you think you could convince to listen, uh, go ahead and, and, and make the pitch try to sell them, um, it might, you know, it might, might help them. I, I'm, I'm really not so concerned about getting listens for me, right? I'm not monetizing this podcast or anything. Uh, we, we're just doing this um, just for, for fun, really. And um, to, for this, this goal of mm, resolving issues. But I, I am really concerned about giving, um, you know, giving what we can to everyone, uh, hoping that that you can use these skills to better your life. So uh, I do care about the number, not so much as a getting thing, but more as a giving thing. So let's uh, let's continue the resolution revolution. Um, we I noticed that the podcast was listed as popular on iTunes, but it wasn't in new and noteworthy. I think it probably needs more uh like ratings and and listeners and stuff but who knows maybe we'll get there too so um yeah if you're an itunes person if you listen on apple podcasts go ahead and, and rate this thing and um, maybe it will push it out to more people okay so our preview for today's show uh it's it's really understanding blame and it's best alternative uh which which really is a lot more productive than blame and i need to give a lot of credit to brene brown she's a uh, uh, she's a doctor who, boy, she just has really, really done a good job. Um, she does a lot of keynotes and stuff, but but her, her, her attitudes on blame are pretty awesome. And if any of you listeners happen to know Brene Brown, um, you can lie to her. Tell her that I think I'm probably related. She's great. All right. So blame. It just comes so naturally. And it's been with us since the dawn of time, right? It is just... It is it is in our DNA, uh, and I can I can prove that to you. Uh, looking at the book of Genesis, now now you feel like you're back in church. Uh, yeah, this this happened right right from the get go. We have a great example of blame. Um, just as a reminder, um, the story of Adam and Eve. We've got Adam and Eve in a garden. They're commanded not to eat certain fruit. They do. Anyway, God comes to them. He says, This is Genesis uh, chapter 3, verse 11. He says, Has thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, Keep in mind, he did eat it, right? So, so what should he say? Should be, yeah, I did. But instead he says, The man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, uh, she gave me of the tree. And I did eat right? So it it's just shows how natural it is to want to point the finger. Uh, it is so uncomfortable for us to accept accountability for things, and it's just so much easier to blame other people. So, like I say, from the dawn of time, right? From the dawn of man, blame has, uh, blame has been a common foe. No one is immune to blame, and I realized that i am a blamer i have a i have a blame problem and i realized this a few years ago uh, through a kind of embarrassing series of events so here it goes it's a story of hunting uh every every year i go uh, on a pheasant hunt with uh with my dad my brothers uh, my uncle and some of my cousins and we just have a great time Uh, we get the dogs out there we run them around just have a blast and um so there we are, uh, we just got there to do some hunting. We parked the truck, everyone's getting all their stuff ready and I go to get my shotgun and I, I'm fumbling around with the lock, I can't get the lock off. I have a trigger lock that you know prevents anyone from accidentally touching the trigger. It's a little combination, three digit combination lock that covers up the trigger completely to prevent any sort of an accident. And I can't get it off. And I remember my dad looking over and he's like, hey, Ty, what's the matter? And the truth is, I had forgotten the combination. But as soon as he asked me, what's the matter? My answer was immediately, Emily. <laughs> I, and naturally so. And, and this was, in my mind, clearly justified Um, it had to have been Emily because we had just had a baby and she had suggested, um, in fact, she hadn't even suggested, she had just asked, Hey Ty, is, is the trigger lock on your gun these days? And, you know, it was sitting like on the highest shelf in the closet, way out of reach. And I I was like, well, no, it's, it's not, um, but after that, I thought, well, you know, in case the baby grows six feet overnight, I probably ought to do this. So I, I put the trigger lock on. And so, you know, of course, this was this was all Emily's fault. Um, so, okay, so what was what was going on here? You know, blame is a it is this pretend shield for discomfort and pain. I didn't want the guys thinking I was dumb enough to forget a three digit combo lock on my gun. Uh, You know, I did set the code after all. Uh, And and then, you know, more than just more than just not wanting to look dumb, I I was really, I was bummed. I was kind of mad. You know, I had just ruined my one hunting trip of the year. And, and I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be solely responsible for that. And it, you know, just seemed in my head, it just seemed like I'd enjoy the hunt more if it was all Emily's fault instead of my own. By the way, Emily's my wife, in case I... Yeah, I don't think I mentioned that. That's my wife. All right. Um, blaming, it has this weird effect of uh, making us feel like we're in control, but, but this is a logical fallacy. It, it, is, it is flawed logic, and here's why. We should want the bad things in our lives to be our fault, because that means that we have full control of changing those bad things. So here's the rest of the gun lock story. I called Emily. She answers, hey babe. And I'm like, uh, yeah, hi. So remember that gun lock you made me put on? I can't get it off. <laughs> and, and I remember her asking, oh, is it broken? And then I was like, um, I don't know. I don't know. This thing won't, the thing won't come off. <laughs> and it hit me like, you know, every, like this is, is pretty much clearly just on me. And it became funny at that point, And we laughed about it a little bit. Um, I apologized and, and kind of cleared my head. and within a few minutes, I, I ended up remembering that code and got the trigger lock off. Um, but when I was so consumed with blame, all I could think about was how I was the victim and how this wasn't my fault, and how, you know, this great chance to bond with, my, with, with the men had been ruined, uh, you know, by my overly cautious wife. Um, but as soon as I realized, you know, the, the mental gymnastics I was doing, uh, it just, it was, it became funny. And I realized that I had a problem. And um, so, you know, that's me. I'm Tyler. And I'm a blamer. And actually, you know, I, I have to admit, being a blamer hasn't been all bad. Um, there have been times when it has felt pretty good. And, uh, and actually, I've made a living as a professional blamer. Uh, you know, my work as an attorney, as a litigator, a trial lawyer, I, uh, I use blame. That's that's how that's how our legal system works. And, and and let me just say this: I'm going to be talking about how bad blame is, but it does have its place, particularly in legal systems. Uh, blame is how we set expectations uh, for society. That's how we govern our. That's how we govern our people. Uh, Actions are connected to consequences, and there has to be a way of determining if you have violated the social contract, right? So so blame does have its place, but I will say this. The fact that our legal system relies so heavily on blame, it comes with some costs as well, and a lot of times the cost is really getting to the truth of the matter. Um, people become so invested in not being blameworthy that they're not willing to come together and really get the big picture. They're not willing to um, do things that are good for society. Um, in in my in my practice as a tort litigator, you know, when there's a wrong that's done, let's say by Uh, Let's say I'm just making this up on the fly. Let's say there's a um, there's an auto manufacturer and there's a products liability claim because some some component of the car manu uh, the car failed. Now there is a lawsuit brought. And even though there is a rule of evidence that would allow that manufacturer to go ahead and fix any defects or any potential problems, and that's not admissible in court, there's still this there's still this reality that, that these companies will avoid improving the product, making it safer, because it might look like an admission, like this was unsafe. And, and like I said, there's a rule of evidence that doesn't allow subsequent remedial measures to come in at trial but you can bet that's the question on everybody's mind you know well did did they change it right and so anyway because our system is so focused on blame it does have this cost of of not really um, advancing advancing um, solutions to problems that are unearthed through our system so anyway that's a long tangent about blame and the law but anyway it does have its place but if in the world of relationships, it shouldn't. And here's one of the reasons why. Blame is very often caused from our own desire, really our own fear. It's caused from our own fear of being blamed ourselves. We don't want others to blame us, so we try to blame someone else. And this is, uh, this is well here's a little story this just from a couple nights ago I was carrying uh, my oldest son Griffy, into his bed and he was like super tired you know it was really late we would had kind of a late night carrying him into his bed and there's some magnet toys that he loves to play with that are on his floor and it's, it's not a huge mess but um but a little bit and I'm kind of stepping over these things and trying not to trip and and he's like Marshall made me make this mess. Marshall's Marshall's my next youngest son. Marshall made me make this mess, and apparently Griffin was really worried. He thought I was like very concerned about these magnets on the floor of his room, which I which I wasn't. But he was worried about it, and he was like, "Yeah, Dad. Marshall made me make this mess." Uh, and then he starts explaining this to me. He says, "So Marshall, he wanted to play something else, and I didn't really want to play." Whatever that was, so I had to find something else to do. so I came into my room and played magnets and uh, and i I'm just kind of sitting there looking at him smiling and and I think he realized like, oh yeah, yeah this isn't this isn't coming together so good and so he he's he's probably like my most uh he's probably my most uh accountable child, really. Uh, And so eventually he just on his own, he goes, okay, dad, I just forgot to clean them up. And I was like, hey, no biggie. We're good. (laughs) But he was, he seemed to have some sort of fear that I was going to be upset with him uh, for not cleaning that up. And that's probably on me. Um, But anyway, that's just an example of how when we fear being blamed ourselves, we often look for a story to blame others. And these stories always make a lot of sense in our head. And, and it takes a, little, a lot of honesty for us to realize that they may not make as much sense as we wish they did. Uh, yeah, blame is funny, right? It's just so silly uh, because a lot of times it's easy to see through, but we, we still just cling to it so often. So here's the question though. If you, if you successfully abandon blame, then where do you go? What do you do? Well, the answer is, is really simple, and I'm going to warn you, it might seem like this is the same as blame, but it's, it's really, really not. So if you're not blaming, what can you do? Well, instead, you go for accountability. Or as book, Difficult Conversations, uh, I think it's How to Discuss What Matters Most by the Harvard Negotiation Project team. They use the word contribution and i think contribution makes a lot of sense in this context because everyone's kind of they have we all have our own input even if it's very subtle and so instead of blaming try to map out contribution or or accountability and contribution and accountability are both inherently vulnerable processes it's it takes a lot of security it takes a lot of uh, it just takes a really firm grasp of your own self-image to be openly accountable and, and, and openly acknowledge your own contributions to things. Uh, it takes a lot of practice to be good at this. So here here, what is the difference between blame and contribution? Well, blame is about judging. You remember, you remember what was it, a couple episodes ago we talked a lot about contempt. But blame is like a sneaky, more subtle version of contempt because you can't really feel like, you know, it's hard to say like, you know, in your, say you have a spouse that you really love. You're going to be really defensive and and disagree with the argument that you ever view them with contempt. You're like, no, 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 I love this person. I don't feel contempt towards them. But if you blame them, that's actually sort of the same thing, right? Um, It's just a sneakier less obvious version of it because blame is all about judging whereas contribution is all about understanding you care to find out why this happened and how this happened instead of just being defensive and saying this was all on you not on me um, you know blame doesn't care about how or why blame just cares about judging and seeing the other person as at fault. Contribution is understanding. So it's really the difference, you know, blame is about contempt, contribution is about peace. That's, that's what it is. Um, you will feel either at peace or you will feel contempt in your heart depending on whether you approach with a blame framework framework or a contribution framework. The other big distinction is blame always looks backwards at the past and contribution looks forwards because the reason you're going back to the past is not to it's not to put someone in their place it's not to it's not to protect yourself from getting blamed the reason you're looking back at the past if you have a contribution framework is because you're interested in making the future better. You have to understand what went wrong, how it went wrong, and why it went wrong in order to to solve the problem. So contribution is future focused. Blame is focused on the past. It's looking backwards. Okay, blame offers, (laughs) when you blame someone, you're it offers somebody else that you're blaming the role of the accused. And because of our, our legal system, People will naturally defend themselves. It breeds strong emotion. It breeds interruptions. It breeds arguments. However, if you approach these things, if you approach these sensitive issues with a contribution framework, that breeds discussion. It's, it's, a, it's a united approach. You're a team and you're both looking for answers and you're both willing to own up to your roles in it and there's there's no judgment being passed, so it's safe to do so. So contribution breeds discussion and solutions. Here are a couple of questions to to use if you're going to try and and, um, utilize this tool of contribution instead of blame. Go into these situations asking the question, what did each of us contribute? And be really honest about it, and even lead out. You know, try to own up to your own contribution first, even if it's really a stretch to find a contribution, even if even if it's, I mean, borderline crazy to say that you're responsible. You know, um, I I had one recently where a a woman came to me, uh, you know, business, this is a business client, and uh, they say, hey, look, there's this guy. Uh, he's been coming on to me, we were on this trip, uh, business trip, a uh, bunch of us, and he just kind of kept making advance after advance after advance. It's making me so uncomfortable. And there, there were a lot of other facts that made this really uh, sensitive. But anyway, <laughs> when, when I was talking to her, and I, and I basically said, well, the, the, the easiest way to talk about this is to... Um, in, in in your next conversation acknowledge your own contribution and she was like well I've done nothing I've given no mixed signals I've done you know I've done I've done nothing to deserve this and I was like well that, that may be true uh, but think about it and maybe you'll figure something out and so she came back and she later she later told me she goes well one of the things I thought of is I had been really trying hard for a new position and I knew that this person was going to have a lot of say over who got that position. And so I may have actually um, been working a little harder to impress that particular person than than other people in our organization. And I was like, hey, that's perfect. Um, You should lead with that. And so she went and had that discussion, told them, you know, what was going on and then apologized and said, look, if I've given you any mixed signals, you just need to know that it was unintentional and that I see our relationship as, as really just a professional one. And, and I, I have no interest in, in anything other than that. And um, and you know what? He came right to the surface and, and just jumped right on the bandwagon, uh, acknowledging, you know what? this was not your fault at all this was on me right and and now they're talking about their own contributions in a way that was natural and solution focused uh, that you know kind of made a plan set some boundaries and and it was no big deal did I ever finish the second question the two questions you ask what did each of us contribute it's kind of a united discussion and the second question you ask is what can each of us do to change it okay the goal the goal when you engage in a contribution discussion it's always understanding you remember our curiosity mindset we talked about humble curiosity um yeah same thing you're trying to understand and change okay i think that performance appraisals performance of view, reviews performance audits you know on, on like annual or semi-annual bases or whatever i think those are so dumb um, because they they are really unnatural they seem pretty unauthentic um, it's the kind of thing that wouldn't occur outside of a business setting and generally those types of things tend to be not that good for relationships you know if, if we like had spousal performance appraisals and we talked about like well you know I, I don't really love you know I'm looking back at the year Um, I've noticed that um, you know blah 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 on these shortcomings and these shortcomings and here are you know the goals I'm imposing for you for next year I just don't see that going well that would be super awkward no instead every single day you're you're checking in with your with your honey right you're like hey how was your day how are you doing and if you notice something's wrong you you you're there for them you try to figure it out with them and uh, and if you're worried that you're the problem then you try to figure out what what's going on and, and what what you can do different right that that's like that's like a healthy relationship and i think that businesses are better off if they take a similar approach of uh, trying to make those relationships more familial meaning you're in a constant discussion about how you're doing and there's never any surprises if you know, if you're in one of those discussions, you're never shocked to learn that you're on the verge of getting fired um, because you haven't had feedback coming. And all of a sudden they say your performance is really bad. Uh, You're never surprised by anything like that because there's such frequent check-ins. So um, I, I like to use the example of the Blue Angels when they do a when they do a, an air show afterwards, they have a debriefing and every person on the team, they go through the entire flight and they all own up to any mistake that they made. And these are the kind of mistakes that are so minute, so minuscule that very often no one else would have ever noticed, but they go in and they own up to everything that they could have done better. And, um, and then they say, glad to be here, glad to be here. Basically saying like you know what it's a privilege and an honor to be with you guys and um, and you know I'm committed to to being as perfect as I possibly can in our execution of these dangerous maneuvers right and they have to have such a high level of trust but they do it by having a really constant flow of accountability um, contribution right that's that's what they're doing okay so there are some costs of blame that I wanted to just go through really fast. One of the costs of blame is that it eliminates problem solving. You know, if, if the dog disappears, who's to blame? Is it the person who left the gate open, the person who put the dog out without checking the gate, or is it the person who who didn't grab the dog's collar as it was running through the gate, right? Who, who knows? But does it actually matter? Should we, should we sit and argue about that, or should we go look for the dog? You know, later, a future discussion, you can talk about each of your contributions and and iron out a system that will help but um you know getting caught up in blame will hinder your ability to go find the dog so that's one of the costs another cost is it can leave systemic problems undiscovered if for example this is like the this is like the assistant that keeps getting replaced problem at a business, you might have an assistant who just, like, you're cycling through someone every six months, and it's like, why is this happening? Um, well, usually it's not because of the people you're hiring. Usually there's a systemic problem. You know, maybe maybe the person these assistants are, uh, are working for is, is very demanding. Maybe they're not very, maybe they're just bad, uh, just a bad manager. They're using, using um, you know, aggressive or, or just... Uh, Who knows what kinds of uh, behaviors that that just don't jive. And so, you know, what ends up happening is the assistant gets blamed for all these things and then the assistant gets fired. But actually, under the circumstances, anyone would behave the same way. Right. So blame prevents you from figuring out the bigger problem. And if you take a contribution perspective, you can see that, oh, you know what, we need to start treating this, this person in this position differently, or else we're going to continue having the same problem. The, you know, another cost of blaming is that it just really hurts relationships and, um, it hurts you. It's what's, you know, it's our stop hitting yourself segment. When you blame somebody else, it hurts you. Um, it's kind of like my, my trigger lock story. When I was contemplating going on the hunt, you know, having blamed Emily, it wasn't, wasn't actually going to help me at all. Uh, It might just make me feel more bitter. So anyway, those are a few things. Next episode, I think we're going to spend our time talking about how to own up to something in an effective way. Um, Basically, how to use contribution to disarm. I think we'll call it Wingardium Leviosa in honor of, of Harry Potter's disarming spell. All right. Now for the Stop Hitting Yourself segment. I had a bunch of stories come in, and they were all really, really good. And a couple of them are definitely worthy of sharing, and I plan to share them in future episodes. But this week, I wanted to share one from my wife, Emily, uh, that uh, it really shows one of the costs of blame that's easy to overlook. And, uh, and I just have to tell you, this, is, this story is really courageous for my wife to, to share it. Um, you know, she's, she's fearless and gutsy that way. Um, but required a lot of vulnerability on her part because it's kind of a lesson learned from a mistake in some ways so her oldest brother died in a tragic car accident a couple years ago the grieving process has been uh, gut-wrenching for lots of people including emily and she shared with me this little insight Uh, while he was alive uh, they would talk on the phone quite a bit and she would often feel some frustration and some pain uh, when they would be talking. And she would feel this because uh, because her brother was going through a lot of these really, really big trials towards the end of his life. A lot of really big things like um, his marriage was very challenging. Family life was really rough. It was really a hard time and he was trying really, really hard. It just wasn't going that well. And there were career challenges and um, it just et cetera, et cetera. Lots of challenges that were serious. And, um, M had a tendency to inwardly, and she wouldn't even say this out loud, right? She wasn't causing a conflict or anything like this. But inwardly, she felt this urge to kind of blame him for all of these hardships. She wanted him to stick up for himself and make his life better. Now, those are really good desires, right? And that's a good thing. And, and she helped him do that in, in some degree, I'm sure. But that desire, it came with a silent judgment which was negative. That desire for him to you know to, to rise up, that is a good thing. but like I said, it was accompanied with, with a silent judgment that was negative. So here's what I think. When it's really hard to help someone, virtually all of us will be tempted to uh, we're tempted to put it all on that. Someone's shoulders as sort of a defense mechanism for ourselves it makes us feel better about not being able to do more, or maybe we're just not willing to do more for that person. So we kind of just put it all on them. And, and after after M's brother died, it was it was clear to M that uh, it was clear that she had been wrong about some of the judgment she had inwardly passed. And this became a really significant source of pain for her. And it kept her from feeling the closeness that she could have had while he was still here. So, learn from this. If the goal is closeness, a strong relationship, then you have to be willing to abandon blame and judgment, even, if, even, even in the subtlest inward forms of it because the way you see people matters. Now, we're all gonna make mistakes. We're all, and we can't be blind to the fact that other people are going to make mistakes, but it's just so important to see those mistakes through a contribution framework. Um, You're united, you're working together to learn what went wrong, understand how it went wrong, and figure out what everyone can do to fix it and prevent it. so I hope you learned something. Uh, I always enjoy doing these. I love hearing your stories. Thanks so, thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the show, go ahead and subscribe. Check out those first, those first uh, few episodes. They have a lot of the, the framework, or sorry, the foundation for the frameworks we're going to be applying over the next uh, several months. So uh, thanks again for listening. It's been fun. Until next time, this is Ty Brown. I'm out.